Good evening, and welcome to the evening sermon stream here at Four Stats Baptist Church. Uh, this will be our last one like this. Uh, starting next week, uh, we'll be having our evening services uh, back here in the sanctuary. But don't worry if you're not able to make it, we'll still be having our virtual streaming options. So you can either watch us on Facebook, on YouTube, or continue, continue to use our call-in number. Uh, the other announcement I have before I pass it over to Brother Mike, uh, if you need, a, need any assistance during this time, you can reach out to us either on Facebook or by sending an email to info at fhbcathens.org. Uh, or if you're a member of the church, you can also reach out to your deacon. Now, before I pass it over to Brother Mike, let's have a quick word of prayer. Uh, hey, God, I just thank you for this day and this wonderful opportunity that you've given to us just to be able to come together as a group of believers, even if it is virtually, God. Uh, I pray that you just be with this time as we dive into your word. I uh, pray that you would just give Brother Mike the words to say and that you would just open up our hearts for the message that you have for us tonight. Uh, I pray that the words that are spoken would just be able to be applied to our lives this week, God, and uh, that as your uh, as as believers, God, that we would just work to further your kingdom here on earth. Um, I want to lift up any requests that uh, people watching this may have, God. I just pray that you would just be with all of those in a very special way. Um, and that as we start to have all of our services back in person, God, that we would just have a refound joy and we would just be able to come together and to celebrate your name, God. Um, we love you and we praise you. And it's all in your son's name that I pray. Amen. It's good to be with you again, and we're in our study in Thessalonians. And this evening, we will be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the remaining verses. Last week, we talked about verses 1 through 12, the authentic ministry. Here, we're talking about the authentic testimony. And 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 20. Now, we probably won't get to all the points in this sermon. I'll mention them at the beginning, and we will probably uh, kind of zero in on the first point and leave it there until the following or next week. And then uh, after that, then we will talk about the last two points. But uh, the first point will be the testimony of the Word. Uh, the second and third points, a testimony of other believers, and then... Uh, the third point, the testimony of future hope. And um, tonight, though, we'll be zeroing in on the testimony of the Word. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for this time. Thank you for your wonderful Word. Thank you for the examples that you give us, the uh, testimony that is there, the encouragement, the challenge. And I just pray that we will work at being the authentic church that we need to be at Forest Heights Baptist Church. Lord, this cannot happen without us being willing to and allowing you to work in us and through us and for you doing a work that will make an impact not only in our personal lives, but in touching other lives. So help us to be that kind of church. And Lord, help us to watch your grace at work in our lives. And may we see it happen. In Jesus' name, amen. This church, this, all, uh, this church at uh, Thessalonica was the real deal. They were not there for show. 
they were not there for competition, to be better, bigger, whatever, have more money. They were not there for public recognition. These believers were there for God. They had been brought to life by an authentic message. And this authentic message came from God, shared by authentic messengers. They were not a perfect church. May I say this over and over again? They were not perfect. But they had been made a new creation by God. And many of the characteristics we see in this young church are characteristics that other churches need to imitate, need to have in them, need to be at work in and through them for them to be authentic. These believers were there for God. They had been brought to life by this authentic message. So they were authentic believers. They didn't attend church to show off their new clothes. And you know, that's, that, that may be fine, but that, that shouldn't be a motive for us coming to church. New hair color or hairdos, new cars, new rings. Or new Bibles. They didn't come to church because of business contacts. They came because they wanted to grow in the Lord. To study more about Him. And they were Christians who were facing intensity, perplexities, struggles, all because of their faith in Christ. But they didn't let any of those things cast doubt on their real faith, their authentic name, their genuine testimony. Much of the church's authenticity was seen in its suffering and struggles. In verse 14, Paul mentions them enduring the same sufferings at the hand of their own countrymen. In verses 15 and 16, Paul talks about being driven out. One of the ways a church can know that they are authentic is due to the suffering that they endure for the sake of Christ. Another way a church can know that they are real is that Satan is there trying to hinder them from doing their work and completing what God has called them to complete. Paul tells us in verse 18 that Satan hindered us. Hell doesn't like God's church to be serving Him faithfully and carrying out His work for His glory and for His honor. Satan wants the honor. Satan rebelled against God because he wanted to be worshipped. And if hell is comfortable around us, then we probably aren't doing what we have been called to do. How does one know that hell is comfortable around us? Well, one way is that when sinners are around us, they feel as comfortable as they do with their lost friends. There's no difference in our lifestyle than their lost friend's lifestyle. 
There's no standard by which we stand true to before them. We are just flip-flopping back and forth in our, in, in, in our, with our values and, and the way we live. They feel comfortable to talk any old way they want to around us and to live any old way around us. They don't feel convicted in any way. Another way is that lost people don't see any threat from us and our church. And by that I mean there's never any opposing opposition. Never any resistance. Those who are genuine will live lives that are godly in public. And that will automatically bring opposition. You don't have to try to bring opposition. It will bring opposition. That doesn't mean that we go out and look for trouble. You don't have to. Nor does it mean we act in such a way that we're obnoxious and cause trouble. It just means we're Christ-like in our character. Just that simple. And sooner or later, trouble will find us as it did with Christ and Paul and others. If you want to be liked by everyone, then we need to join a church that teaches that you are to be politically correct. That you're to keep your religion to yourself. You won't have to worry about being opposed or resisted if you join someplace like that. Satan will try and get us to question our confrontations with, is it really worth it? Why stir the waters? Make sure that you try and be everything to everybody. And to do that, you must compromise. Compromise in your values. Compromise in what you believe. Now how does one maintain their authenticity? Especially in the context of, of suffering like they, they were going through and, and being persecuted and facing difficulties and perplexities and problems. How do we maintain our stance? How do we keep keeping on, if you will, when there is much opposition out there? That opposition is against what we believe. Paul addresses this issue in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 20. In verse 12 of chapter 2, Paul closes that section, the one that we looked at last week, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Walk means a course of life. It involves three things. It involves a destination. You're walking towards something. Walking assumes that you're going somewhere. A believer's destination, according to verse 12, is God's kingdom and glory. That means we're to live our lives not for ourselves, but for the glory and kingdom of God. Second of all, it involves a continuous action. That means that you're taking one step at a time. It involves a day-in and day-out continuous mo uh, movement towards that destination. And that destination is the glory of God. And then third, it involves, or it assumes, dependency. When you put your weight on one leg and foot, when you're walking, you're assuming that 
there's going to be dependency. You're depending on that leg to keep you up. In order to live for God's kingdom and glory, you have to be dependent upon God and His grace, authority, and power. When we become independent of God and we live our lives in our own strength, we will mess up royally and we will be working according to Satan's rebellious plan. We're not living for the glory and kingdom of God to get something out of it for ourselves. We're living there to please God, knowing that He will bless us because of it, but that's, that's not the reason. We want to honor Him. We want to, to, to lift Him up. We want Him to be glorified. To be successful, a believer must be dependent upon God's grace. There's no way around it. What motivates one to live for God's glory? What is it? Well, one thing is to understand our calling. That's so very important. Satan wants us to be unconscious of our calling. If and when that happens, we become less dependent upon God, and that leads to unfaithfulness. That's why churches have to use campaigns and gimmicks and other things to get people to come to church, unfortunately. To plead with people to come to church, if you will. The reason the, the leaders have to try and shame people into coming is because of not understanding, people in that church not understanding their calling. Their calling from God. You see, a lack of understanding on our part concerning our calling means that we just don't get it while we're here. We just don't understand what God has done for us. Oh, we do mentally, but not wholeheartedly. We don't understand God's grace. We don't understand the, the redemption of, of Christ and, and what He did for us, redeeming us. We don't understand justification. Through Christ, we've been justified. We no longer face being uh, the, the wrath of God. Not only that, we don't understand reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God. Before we're saved, we're not reconciled to God. We're going our own way. We're at enmity with God. We don't understand propitiation. That Jesus was the satisfaction for our sin. No other person, no other sacrifice, no other way could uh, satisfy God. We don't understand that once we were bound, we were hanging over the pit hole of hell, ready to experience God's wrath at any moment. We don't understand that we deserved to fall into that pit. We deserved hell and the wrath of God, the judgment of God. We don't understand that God in His grace and mercy because of His love didn't let that happen. We don't understand that God didn't have to send His only begotten Son to suffer and die in our place for our sins. He didn't have to send Jesus as a perfect sacrifice to satisfy His just demands. He could have let us just drift off into the pit of hell. 
We don't understand that it was because of God's love that he did this. God loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We don't understand that God gave us what we didn't deserve. Deliverance and forgiveness. And eternal life with him. And he didn't give us what we did deserve. Judgment and hell. Why do I say we don't understand this? Because if we did, we would not need gimmicks or entertainment to get us to serve Him. We would be so hungry for Him, wanting to learn more about Him, wanting to live more for Him, wanting to share Him with others, and wanting to worship together. Being so excited about that. Church and service would be so exciting and challenging that, that we just couldn't wait to be here. Exciting because we serve the God who provided all of this for us. Exciting to be able to imitate the one, Christ, who made it all possible for us. To live a life for His glory and for His kingdom. Challenging to, to be faithful like Christ was, was uh, uh, faithful during His ministry. Being honored to, to be able to serve Him in this way. Challenging to, uh, to be faithful to God in our journey, whether there is distress or persecution or difficulties or problems. You see, obeying a bunch of laws and rules will never produce genuineness or authenticity. It cannot produce the real Christian living. The only way we're going to do that is to understand God's calling. Just getting a set of rules only has you doing something because you have to do it. That is not authentic living. Our calling ought to be on the basis for, of our walk. Or ought to be the basis of our walk. Paul helps us to see this passage through these authentic believers. He helps them to be reminded of this, who they are. In these difficult times, coming out of difficult times or heading towards difficult times. He helps these Christians to understand that facing these times of oppression, times of rejection, times of suffering. Can bring them and should bring them closer to the Lord. And during times like this. What we should look for to hold on to that will help us through these times. This is what he gives them. These three testimonies. Testimony of the word of God in verse 13. And for this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received from us the word of God's message. You accepted it not as the word of men but for what it really is the word of God which also performs its work in you who believe. It is a word of God that will sustain us when there is trouble without. But having the word of God is not enough. We can have a Bible and that's not enough. Many people have a Bible. Many people come to even Sunday school and worship where the Bible's taught. Many people hear the word of God being taught, shared, and and uh, uh, preached. But that's really not enough. Just having a Bible or hearing somebody read it or teach it. 
doesn't automatically make you an authentic Christian. Three things about the Word of God that apply to the authentic congregation at Thessalonica we need to understand. Number one is they received the Word. Now, they heard it and they received it. They accepted it. They appreciated it. They respected it. We can be reading the Word of God or hearing the Word of God taught or preach and not appreciate it, not accept it. We listen for God to speak to us because we appreciate it. But some people can listen and not listen for God to speak to them. Sometimes when we listen, our motives are not pure. We don't listen with open hearts. We are preoccupied with something else. Or as to hear the Word of God and receive the Word of God, we are not truly listening. We may have differences with the preacher that calls us not to hear the Word of God or receive it. Our opinion of the person bringing the message may be low or in our own view or there may, therefore we, we don't receive the Word of God. We may disrespect Him or, or think we know more than He does and we refuse to receive the Word. Our motives for hearing the Word are just not pure. But on the other hand, if we come to receive the Word because we appreciate it, we respect it. And we acknowledge it as being more than man's Word. We come to worship and glorify God knowing that it's God's Word and He is speaking to us. We come to allow God to do the work in us because it is His Spirit and His Word that is at work. It is not the Word of men. This Bible is not the word, just the Word of men, but it's the Word of God that was given to these men to write down. It is the Word of God. In its origin, all Scripture is inspired by God. It is God-breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16 It's character. Psalm 19. It's truth. It's without error. It's perfect. It's content. The only book that will tell you about everything you need to know. It's cost. It cost God His Son. Our appreciation for Jesus Christ will be no greater than our appreciation for His Word. Jesus Christ is the living Word. The Bible is a written Word. If you don't hold it in high esteem, then you won't hold Christ in high esteem. Your view of the written word will always reflect your view of the living word. Both must be held in high esteem. David was called a man after God's own heart. Psalm 110 tells us uh, that, and we know this. He loved God's word, therefore he loved God. The psalm tells us that David had rather have God's word than milk and honey. And that's Psalm 119, excuse me. He also said, I'd rather have God's word than sleep. David even rushed home after work to meditate on 
God's word. How many uh, men, how many women, how many children rush home from work, from school to get into God's word? When David was called a man after God's own heart, it was because he had to be dragged away from God's word to eat, work, and sleep, not drag him to God's word. The Thessalonians had received, they were drawn to the word. They took the word with enthusiasm and relished it. But they also accepted the word. In chapter 1 of Thessalonians, they were, were told that they didn't just receive the word, but they also accepted the word of God in power and turned from idols to serve the living and true God. Their faith was so dynamic that it was talked about not only in the immediate community, but all over the area. They accepted the Word of God in power and allowed it to change them from within. This means that they didn't just put the Word in their mouth to taste it, but they chewed on it and swallowed it and digested it. Without digesting, there was no benefit. And also they allowed the Word to continue its work, which also, he says, which also performs its work in you who believe. The results were continuing. They put the Word to work in their lives and continued to allow it to do its work. They welcomed the Word. They allowed the Word to be applied to their lives. Many people enjoy hearing the Word. They enjoy hearing a good message from the Word of God. But a lot of times there's very little applying of the Word to their lives. In other words, they abort the truth before it takes effect in their life the way it should. Many people enjoy hearing it, but they do nothing with it. With the Thessalonian believers, the activity of the transforming message from God's Word was allowed to continue to operate in their lives. They listened to the Word. They received it with enthusiasm and allowed it to do a great work. A work of regeneration. A work of sanctification. In Romans 4.19, we're given an illustration of hearing, receiving, and allowing God's work, word to work in a life. We're told about Abraham who got a word from God. Now, this happened when he was about 100 years old. What did God tell Abraham? That he was going to have a son. Now, this was a radical statement for him to hear because he and Sarah were beyond childbearing age in other words it was an impossible situation as far as humans were concerned what is impossible with man though is always possible with God what did Abraham do did he question God as to how he was going to carry this out how are you going to be able to do this did he tell God that he and Sarah were too old to have children hey do you not know how old we are God did he say, this has never been done before. I, I've not heard of anybody being this age that has had children before. Verse 20 gives us his thinking. And being fully assured 
that what he had performed, he was able also to perform. The only question one might have is, is God able? Well, is God able? We can go to God's Word and find the answer to that. In Scripture, we're told nothing is impossible with God. So I would say that God is able. He's able to do anything. We need to know whether God really wants whatever it is to happen, though. And if He does, then we are to accept it by faith. So that nothing is impossible with God. And that it comes about and we praise God for it. But it all comes back to whether we believe God's word to be true. You see, how do we view it? If we do believe it to be true, then we need to act on it in faith. That is what Abraham did. That's why when told to sacrifice his covenant son, Isaac, later on in life, he had no problem acting on God's promise. His word. Abraham was a doer of God's uh, word. Now, does that mean that he didn't doubt, that he didn't make mistakes? No, I'm not saying that. But he wasn't just a hearer. That's why the Thessalonian believers were able to remain faithful and true to God during persecution and because uh, and, and uh, difficulties. It was the same reason. They remained faithful and true to God during this time because of the testimony of the Word within them. This faith in the Word of God along with the change that had happened was a testimony to others. Not only the testimony of God's Word within encouraged them and strengthened them and helped them, but it helped others to accept it and remain faithful to it during difficult times. What does the word mean to you? Is a question I might ask. How are you treating the word? Do you look at it as God's infallible word, inerrant word? Do you have a high esteem of God's word? If not, I doubt that you have the esteem of Christ that you need to have. Because Jesus Christ, the living word, gave us, made it possible for us to have the written word. And we need to accept that. Because when trials and difficulties and problems come, we need that testimony that comes from God's word. May we rely upon it. May we be a church that believes in it, heeds to it, applies it to our life, and allows it to continually work in our lives. And may we see what has happened in other lives as an encouragement to us, and as it happens in our life, may we be a witness to others and have them go to God's Word and say, this is the reason God has taken His Word. He has used His Spirit to convict my heart, to change my life. And He is changing my life. 
I'm not perfect, but I have a perfect Savior. And He is continually working in my life. And that's why I'm able to be able to make it through this difficult time. It's not because of me. It's because of the God of this Bible. It's because of the testimony that comes from it. It has changed my life because the Spirit worked through it to convict my life and bring me to God. Has that happened in your life? Is he continuing to use his word to, ch uh, to change you, to conform you to the image of Christ? Just like you coming to him in faith, trusting in his word, trusting in him, allowing him to change you, just like that, he wants to continue to change you. But we must walk by faith for that to happen. We must believe in his word. And may the testimony of his word in our lives help change others. May the Spirit of God use that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your word. Thank you that the Spirit of God is forever changing our hearts and our lives as we continue to attach our, our lives to your word as we hunger for it, as we allow you to speak to us, and as it becomes alive to us, God, we heed to it and watch the Spirit of God work through all of this to change us. And may that changing of us be a testimony to others as how the Spirit of God uses your Word to help us during all this time to bring about a change in us that nobody else could. Thank you, God, for this. Help us to be genuine. Help us to trust you continually. Help us to be people of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that wonderful uh, sermon, Brother Mike. Now, before I let you all go, I do just want to remind you that, again, starting next Sunday, July 12th, uh, we will be having our evening services in person here in the sanctuary. Uh, we'll still be doing our uh, streaming options, so if you're uh, not able to join us, you can still watch us on Facebook or YouTube or continue to use the call-in number. Uh, if you have any questions about how anything will be working, uh, again, you can either reach out to us on Facebook or by sending an email to info at fhbcathens.org. I hope you all have a great week. <laughs>